mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 16, and we're going to be beginning this week in verse 16. If you'll remember with me, Jesus has told them, uh, these things I have spoken to you that you would not be made to stumble. Listen to me. There, there, there's people out there that are trying to make you stumble. The spirit of Antichrist is out there to make you stumble. And, and, and listen, we don't need a whole lot of help. Our flesh is enough because it resists the Spirit. It, 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 it's against the Spirit of God. So we have to surrender in a way where we don't allow not only ourselves, the enemy, uh, but also the Spirit of Antichrist and the Spirit of this world that is, that is trying to make us stumble, entice us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he's, and really, I mean, when you really look at this chapter in a long haul, you're learning more about what Jesus wants us to know about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to try to bring across today as we finish up chapter 16, is that it's about the relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, when he goes into verse 5, he says, but now I go away to him who sent me. He's going back to the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Now, again, this is, the, this is the warning. You're the enemy of yourself. I'm the enemy of myself. They're so focused on themselves that they don't ask Jesus about what he's saying. And you and I can be the same way. We can get focused upon self. We can get listening to those that are making us stumble. We can begin to follow the lying prophets of the age and the spirit of the age. And we don't get alone with God in prayer. And so he says that you need to ask me, get your eyes off of yourself. Get them on me, right? Get your eyes back on Jesus he says that because of these things, sorrow has filled your heart. And when we're not praying, we're going to be sorrowful. Sorrow will fill. We don't have an eternal perspective. In fact, he says in Luke twenty-two forty-five. I don't know if you remember this. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is agonizing in the garden. He's told them to watch and pray. And he comes back in 2245. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. 
Why am I sleeping during the harvest? Why am I not living for Jesus and listening to the Holy Spirit? We're, we got our eyes on ourselves, and we're sleeping from sorrow. We're always looking at how does this affect me? How does this do me? What about me? What about me? And you need to get your eyes off the enemy. You're the enemy of yourself. My Bible study leader used to look in the mirror in the morning and go, no, no, no. And I love that when Mike used to do that. He would just, he'd just giggle about it because you have to understand that you're your own worst enemy. There's no deception except for self-deception. If you follow the lying snake media, if you follow any of the talking heads and the prophets and the secular music and all the secular news and everything that's going on and you keep in touch with them and follow them, then you're deceiving yourself because they're leading you in a direction that has nothing to do with the voice of God. It wants you to be afraid and in fear. It wants you to live a life that has nothing to do with Christ. And they don't care what kind of life it is as long as you just don't ever surrender and do the work of the ministry. Walk in your gifting. Be led by the Spirit. So Jesus here really is trying to encourage them to get their eyes off of self and be reminded that the Holy Spirit is coming. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world of sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of righteousness. What does he do when he convicts of righteousness? Why do people get mad at you? Why do people hate you? Why do people are scared of you? Why did they cut John the Baptist's head off? Because you're pointing to Jesus, the only one that's ever been righteous. And they know that if they don't listen to him, there's going to be a judgment. That's what that text is about. He convicts the world. He reproves the world. He's constantly telling the world, and we're privileged to be a part of it, that there's, we're all sinners, that Jesus was the only righteous one, and that the ruler of this world is already judged. Why would you follow him? Why would you follow the spirit of this age? Why would you listen to the voice of somebody who's going to be cast into the abyss for eternity? Why would you listen to the devil? who caused the original sin in the garden. And he says, as he continues in 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, notice it's capital he, it's God, it's, it's the spirit of truth, and whose truth? Jesus. See, see, Jesus wants us to understand clearly that he told Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wants us to under, them to understand clearly and you down the corridors of time and me that he's also the spirit of truth. He's the, he is the Father, Son, and the Spirit. He is God, very God with us. And it's a mystery that we don't have to understand to like and to, and to follow it. But it's God in three persons. The Father's plan, the Son was sent, one sent forth, and then the Son follows the Father's pattern and sends the Holy Spirit back. But who does he ask? He asked the Father. He didn't do it on his own authority. He, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you a helper. He will give you the comforter. So he's given us a pattern that we would follow. But right here, even specifically, purposely, right here, Jesus knows that it's written, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. 
Judas has left the upper room. They're in the last night of his life, last hours. They're going to go. He's going to pray. He's going to pray and go across the brook Kedron and go into the garden where Judas, who's right now getting a detachment of troops, is going to come by the spirit of this age to arrest him, to betray him, to spit on him, to mock him, to beat him, to put him on a tree for us. And he knows all this. And he says, you know what? These guys are going to flee here in a minute, but I want them to know that I'm here but I'm going to be here in spirit. And he, then he, I mean, even after he raises again, what happens? We see these cameos of Jesus. He's on the road to Emmaus. He's talking with them. And they don't even know it's him. Then he's in the upper room and he's breaking some fish. And then Thomas is like, well, I didn't see him. Unless I put my fingers in them wounds, I'm not going to believe it. And, and yes, that's exactly what you and I should be doing because the Holy Spirit is sent back so that you and I will ask questions. We will pray. We will want to put our fingers in the holes, the wounds, and see Jesus in the scriptures because he's going to take everything that belongs to Jesus and give it to you and I. And that's what he's telling them so that they would not be caused to stumble and to apostatize and to leave forever and go, well, it was just another crazy guy. There's been a bunch of them in the last few years. But he's telling them, listen, this is getting ready to go on. You can't bear what, if I was to tell you the cross right now, you wouldn't be able to bear it because you're so sorrowful already because I'm leaving. You can't bear anymore. He'll never give you more than you can handle. But you need to know that he's there with you when you're trying to handle something. You're not going through it by yourself if you know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is always here with us. And that's the amazing thing that we're going to see as he begins to explain this to them, tell them what's going on, is that he wants them to understand that the Holy Spirit is coming. It's to their advantage that he goes away. And you and I need to understand it down the corridors of time because we're listening to everybody else except for what the Spirit would say to the church. And if we're the true church, listen, true church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, we're not listening to the other voices that are lying to us. We're listening for God's voice. We're comparing it to God's scripture, to God's character, his nature, his will, what he's already doing. And then we're getting involved by the privilege of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're going to go out and walk in the spirit and tell people about Jesus. But you can only do it by the power of the spirit. But you first have to know that you're the worst enemy you have. Because there's a self-deception. James says, be doers and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And we're our worst enemy. Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah, that was good. I was reading yesterday, but I'm not going to read today. I'll read next week again. I was spending time with God, and man, that was so sweet, and it was joyful. But I'm just going to, yeah, whatever. I got some things I want to do in my flesh, and I like this, and this is good. And if I get back to Jesus, I'll get back to him. Listen to me. You don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to stumble. You, don't, you can know your God. You're married to him. See, that's the way most people treat marriage today in the physical. They treat it just any way haphazardly, and that's why we end up with such divorce rates in the world. And we don't have those divorce rates. And, you know, I know that you've heard pastors say, I've probably said it, uh, oh, the divorce rate in the church is, is horrible. It's just like the world. But really what's happened is, is the world joined the church. The divorce rate in the true church is probably zero because they know that God called them out and they're supposed to be 
sticking with that marriage and dying to self and learning to love one another and having grace and mercy and that God hates divorce. So be very careful with statistics that we get from the world, even from the so-called parachurch groups that say that they're, they're calling people and they do a little group of people that are supposed to be Christians, but they have no relationship with them. So how in the world are they supposed to know if they truly are a Bible Christian? I mean, you ask anybody, you read in your Bible? Yeah. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. But when you walk with them for a few days, you go, well, they're not reading their Bible. They don't believe in Jesus. I was telling the kids on the way here about this because Silas was talking about wanting a knife. And I said, Silas, until you learn that other people have a right to speak, you probably are not responsible with a knife because you get plain angry when somebody tells you something that's wrong. And you don't want to hear it because you want your own way. So that makes a little eight-year-old with a knife dangerous when you want your own way. Because if you don't cut somebody else, you're going to go out and cut something else just to be mad and take your anger out on it. And there's a lot of men that really don't need to have knives in their pocket. We have prisons full because they don't know how to behave. They're selfish. And if you say no, they throw a fit still like they're a little bitty kid. That's the sin nature. That's what sin does. But as an adult and as a Christian and as somebody that says they know Jesus, we die to self. We follow the pattern of what our Savior did. He came and had everything and he died. He died so that others could come to life. And so then his witnesses, you and I, those who say, I believe in Jesus, we should begin to die to what we want to say, what we want to do, how we want to live so that other people will see his glorious light and come to him. So he wants them to see that, that, that he's going to leave. They can't bear it. He's got more things to say, but they're going to have to wait for the Holy Spirit. But he tells them clearly what the Holy Spirit will be doing. Now think about that, because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's God, very God, 100% God. But what's he doing? He's taking, look at in 14, he will glorify, he will honor, he will praise, he will magnify me. He's going to magnify Jesus. How's he going to do that, Greg? The same way we're supposed to do. He's going to lift him up. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And see, we should be doing the same thing. If the Holy Spirit is active in our life and giving us a gift, we should be using it to take everything about Jesus and give it to others. That's all he's saying right there. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. He's going to take the person of Jesus. And then when you see the person of Jesus, you're going to know that you're really serving Jesus. You're becoming like your husband. And people don't even like that. But how, you have to come underneath authority to become like something. The voice that you're hearing. Right now, they're underneath the authority of the flesh. And what's happening to them? They're becoming sorrowful because their eyes in the wrong place. They're going to have joy later when they get their eyes fixed on Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to have joy. He didn't say, I'm taking away all the battles. I'm going to take away the pain. None of you is going to die a martyr's death for me. But he said, you'll have joy while you do it. Because your heavenly perspective will change. Things on earth will change because of the Holy Spirit taking everything. Jesus comes and lives in your heart. Do you guys get that? Do we get that? Do we really understand that in the church today? Well, no, I'm just doing some good works, and I just go to church to feel good. And, and that one person said to me, and I said to them, and then we got, uh, and so now I'm going to go to another church because this has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. That's all your worst enemy, your own self. Or you want God to forgive you, but you can't even forgive somebody for saying that your dress looked funny or your 
shirt was wrong or your shoes were the I mean, whatever it is, it's something that's simple when you put it on the scheme of eternity and sin and people going to hell to burn forever. Well, I have a right. No, you don't. You've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. You have no rights anymore. It's Jesus living through you. And when he appears, you will appear with him. Now he's using your vessel. You're an earthly vessel that's filled with the Holy Spirit that is supposed to be going out and doing God's will, not your own will. And it's easy to talk about. We all fight with it. But the Holy Spirit right now in the world, convicting of sin and righteousness of judgment, and then he's taking everything that belongs to Jesus and he's declaring it to those who want to follow, to those who have an ear to hear and want to hear. See, and we're going to see it here in the text. As I start to read the text, you'll see that when, you, when you're not saved, you can't understand anything about the Bible. Then you get saved, and it still seems like figurative language. It still feels like, what is he saying? But then when you begin to obey and you let the Holy Spirit come upon you with power, he begins to speak to you plainly. And you begin to understand what's going on and comprehend the ministry of reconciliation of souls. And you begin to get out of the way and quit looking at yourself and having sorrow and going, this is so painful. Really? Have you ever compared it to the cross of Christ? You've not resisted sin to bloodshed, he would say in Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus resisted sin to bloodshed. He let him kill him when he was innocent. Man, try to figure that one out. We are guilty, and we won't let them kill us. I'll fight them in the streets. That's constitutionality. We'll be fighting. I'm not going to put up with it. And Jesus was innocent, and he didn't fight them. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. He gave his life freely so that others would come to life. Not so that others would fight for something that's not even ours. But I stand down. Um, 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it, manifest it, make it clear and plain to understand to you. Listen, that's what he wants to do. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. But what happens? So often we grieve, we quench, we insult, we lie to the Holy Spirit of promise. We walk in sin and the Holy Spirit cannot flow through our life or in our lives. So we have to understand that it all has to be done according to God's plan. The Holy Spirit's not going to keep growing you when you're saying no. The Holy Spirit's not going to keep growing you when you're not going and you're not obeying and you're not following what God wants you to do. The Holy Spirit will stop and just say, I love you. I love you. He's still there, but he's saying, I love you, but I can't give you any more until you get your eyes off yourself, till you get your eyes on what you've been called for, what you've been bought for. I can't give you anymore because listen, he said in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to go out and make millions of dollars and do all kinds of big things and live a lavish lifestyle and have everybody focus on you because you're so important. No. No, even when you listen, because it's a courtroom. We always got to remember, when you get called, when you get a subpoena to go give witness in a courtroom, you're not there so people can see you. You're there to tell them what you know about the incident that you saw, about what you witnessed, about who Jesus is. That's what we're here for. 
So you're given power by the Holy Spirit to go and become a martyreo, a witness, one who gives testimony about Jesus. The Holy Spirit shows us everything about Jesus and then tells us to go tell others about it, to go walk it out in front of them, to go be his hands and his feet so that they will come to know Jesus. And you know what they do then? They cut your head off, just like they did to John the Baptist. Oh, some people guard you, like Herod, see, he was guarding him. He said, put him in a cell over there, just lock him up. Keep him in that one little area of my heart so that he can't get out unless, and at an opportune time, I might go back to church. I might read my Bible. I might talk to God a little bit, but right now, just lock him up. Because I'm really not happy with what he said, but I'm scared to death to kill him because he might be from God. But then there's some wicked people that are more wicked, and all they're doing is living in bitterness and anger and hate and wrath and murder because they're the spirit of Antichrist. And they say, as for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And you get trapped into following them and cutting the gospel off instead of living for Jesus making a decision. Today is the day for salvation. You don't lock the truth up. There might come a day when you don't get to live the truth if you cut its head off today. You might end up, you and your whole family, which is what happened with the Herods, all the family, there's no proof that any of them ever got saved. They just got worse and worse. Something we need to think about. This, this gospel is plain. This is so easy that a little child can read it and understand it. And yet, what do we do? We deceive ourselves. We get in the way. We look in the mirror and go, you're okay. That's not egg on your face. I'm looking into the perfect law of liberty, and I'm okay. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. Not the plumb line. Jesus is. Not the teacher. The Holy Spirit is. Listen to me. This is what Jesus is trying to prepare them for. They just seen Judas go out. They don't know yet that Judas is going to go hang himself and kill himself, that he's betraying. They think he went to get something else for the feast. And they're going to suffer that. A close friend that's ministering with them dying, betraying. Then they're going to suffer their teacher being arrested, beaten, and crucified. It's all going to happen right before their eyes. And the enemy's going to strike that shepherd, and they're all going to scatter. And he's saying, you can't bear anymore right now. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll help you get through this. Just think on it for a long time. Because right now, what's going on in your life is not by happen chance. It's not coincidence. It's a god dense He's allowing it to go on in your life so that you will cry out to him and you ask the Holy Spirit how to deal with it. How do I use your wisdom to walk through it because I'm not getting out of it? And the same thing's going on with him and he already knows. And every day he's going to teach you more if you will walk with him. He's going to give you more. He's going to train you. And he's going to teach you that to, your struggles today can be your strengths for tomorrow. If you'll listen to my Holy Spirit and you'll line your life up with my word, not up with culturanity. He's teaching me a lot. If you guys never learn anything, I'm okay. I'm just being faithful to learn and then to share it. That's all, I, that's all I'm called to do is to be faithful. But it's up to you and your heart. Don't harden your heart as in the day of rebellion. And they all died in the wilderness. But receive with meekness the implanted word for the saving of the soul. 
Listen to me. It's very important that you hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, not what false prophets and false teachers and the spirit of this age and the spirit of Antichrist and what your friends that don't know Jesus and all the other counsel that goes on that's earthly, sensual, and demonic. It's you and Jesus. It's you and the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth is here right now. And nobody can say, oh, I was deceived. Oh, I was tricked. No, this is up to you. We're going to cover that. I got three places to go and we're going to look at it. But I'm going to read this text first and give you a little bit of the understanding. And then I'll show you what's going on in the text, in the church age. And the spirit that's trying to deceive us. And it's all up to you. Listen to me. You're not going to get to the throne room and say what Greg said. See, Greg could be a liar. Greg could be confused. Greg could be deceived. Well, my pastor said, and on the radio they said, and this good book I read that said, no, 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 no. You and the Holy Spirit. Because if you believe, then that Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. And your spirit becomes married to Christ. And the two become one. And the only way that you can forfeit all of that is by resisting, grieving, quenching, and lying to, and not receiving the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And that's called blasphemy. When you reject and say, no, I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it God's way. No, I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it His way. I had a lady just this week tell me that, that I believe in God, but I don't like Him. He could stop all of this murder. He could stop all of these people dying. He could stop all this suffering. And I said, you're in a dangerous place. Because if you really believed in God, you would understand what he was doing. He would tell you plainly what's going on. And you would join him in his work. If you really were hearing the voice of God, you would surrender and die and stop blaming everybody else when it's self-deception. So look at this, 1616, Jesus, remember this, he's getting ready to die, and he wants them to stay strong, and he says, listen, you can't bear these other things I want to tell you, and then he begins to speak to him, 1616, a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father, huh? Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They therefore, or excuse me, they said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. Notice how they are focusing on this word, a little while. We do not know what he is saying. Spiritually discerned. Now, Jesus knew all the thoughts and intents of the heart. They desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful. 
but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and you, your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Fruit of the Spirit. And in that day, you will ask nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly what the Father about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I will and I will excuse me, in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Magnificent verse. His disciples said to him, See now, you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, Help us to understand by the power of the Holy Spirit who's now here with us that we would plainly understand what you're saying to the church and we would have ears to hear what you say. And we would be those that would go and become doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 16, um, 16, 16, interesting a little while he says to them a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me because i go to the father now it's interesting this word that is translated here um mikion or me iran i don't know how to spell it or micron that's what it is micron m-e-c-r-o-n is the way it's pronounced it can be translated little, or it can be translated while. But when it's translated both, it means a shortened period of time, a small space of time. In fact, the only time that other than these seven times here in the book of John that it's mentioned is in Hebrews 10.37. And it says, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. 
That's the only other place that it's used, both of them together, to picture a short period of time. Now, you might say a short period of time. Yeah, sometimes it feels like something is just like, is this ever going to be over? A little while, just a little while, just a little while. Because it's been now, what, 2,000 years? But think about it. When you're on outside of time and you're on the scheme of eternity, our little 70, 80, 80 years is a little time. Anybody that's reading the gospel and deciding it's a little time, because even if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, which I believe he will, I believe we're that generation, even if he doesn't, none of us are little children. So it's only going to be a little while on the scheme of things for eternity. I was talking with a lady this week and she was talking that and saying that and this and that. And she had these yardsticks laying there and I picked them up and God said, he told me, well, he, he didn't tell me, but he gave me the wisdom to say, see this little quarter of inch here. This is what you're dealing with. But even bigger than the yardstick is what God's dealing with eternity. And we don't know enough to question those things. We can ask him, and if he chooses to tell us, we'll be privileged to hear what he's saying to the church, and then we can share it with others to encourage them to hang on, to hold on, because he's our anchor to our soul. He's our hope. So he's saying a little while, just a little short period of time, but what is he talking about? He's telling them that I'm getting ready to be arrested betrayed the garden's getting ready to happen i'm going to have a mock trial that starts at night never supposed to happen before the high priest and then before the fake high priest and it's going to be all drummed up and then and then and then this crowd is going to yell crucify him crucify him and they're going to choose a murderer and then they're going to lead me away and i'm going to be beaten and scourged and and forced to give this cleanup statement against all the crimes i've committed against rome yet i'm an innocent man and I'm going to be hung on the tree. And you guys are going to flee. And you're not even going to want to be around. John, you'll be there. But don't. I'm not telling all that right now because you can't bear it. Remember, John's there because he says, woman, John, John, woman. And he, and he gives the care of his own mother over to John. And then they take him down and they bury him. And then it's the Sabbath day. And they're hiding because anytime you would kill a leader, you would come to get all the followers so that no male heirs would take it over and start using it and become the leader of that group. So you would kill them all. That's why the women are still running around. They wouldn't kill the women. They only killed the men. But then on the third day, they come to finish treating the body with, with spices. And, the, and, and they're like, where have you taken him? The stone's rolled away. The tomb is empty. What have you done with our Lord? And they go back and they tell Peter and John and they run there to find out if this is true. And he says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Think about this for a minute. So a little while, and they would see him, but then a little while they won't see him, but then they're going to see him again. And he rose from the dead, and then their eyes are obscure, and they can't really tell. But he's training them that even when you can't see me physically, I'm here in spirit because I'm the spirit of truth, and I'm going to come and live in your heart, and I'm going to change you into my image if you will surrender to me and stop looking at yourself and start looking to me. 
Start trusting me. Start getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship and learn what I'm doing on the planet. And as you get in line and you're in the way with me and you're following me and not listening to all the other liars, you'll become like me. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Not because of what we do, but because of what he's done. Not because of our plans, but because of what he's already planned. He knows the plans that he has for us. He knows where he's going. He came from heaven and he's ascended back up there. So then they see him and they wake up and they realize who he is and he spends 40 days with them. Acts chapter 1. What's he doing? Speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So when you see him plainly, you should be speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Because that's all the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, is to make us out to be martyreos. One who dies for their faith. One who is a witness throughout Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Never forgot, it's still there. I never went past witnesses earlier. So there's the rest of the verse. So what is your plan? I said a prayer and I'm done. One and done and I get to go to heaven. It's a lie from the lying prophets. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Be dead to self daily. Take up your cross and follow me. Be in the way with me. Let's finish the Father's plan. I'm going to do it with my spirit in you, through you, and you're privileged to be a part of it in the ministry of reconciliation of souls. That's what's going on. Don't let other things get you caught up with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. Because we see all this stuff that glitters, and we think it's going to get us to heaven. And, oh, they know what they're talking about. Listen, they don't know what they're talking about if they're not being led by the Spirit of God. They're of the Antichrist even when they don't know it. 1 John 5, 19, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness. But who are you swaying with? Who are you following? Who are you walking with? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. This is the point he wants to make here. He knows where he's going. He knows what's getting ready to happen in everybody's life. And he's saying, when they strike the shepherd, when they arrest me and you're scattered, he even tells Peter, when you return, strengthen the brothers. That was his call. He didn't say, when you return, make sure you don't ever deny me again. He said, when you return, strengthen the brethren. Make sure that others are being encouraged. Get your eyes off of yourself because when you denied me, your eyes were on yourself and you were sorrowful and you were scared and you were afraid and you weren't walking in the spirit. But when you return, strengthen the brethren. So that's what's going on. But he couldn't explain that to them because they wouldn't be able to handle it or bear it. He just told them. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll help them to bear this. You and I, see, we sit here and we go, well, I've known the gospel for a long time. Well, yeah, because we're on the other side of all of that. But we're still going through things the same way with the same actions and the same plans. And we're called on sometimes to go, I'm just done. This is ridiculous. I've tried everything, and she still won't, and he still won't, and they still won't. Well, you're not supposed to be trying to change them. You're supposed to be letting Jesus change you and encouraging others to follow also. That's what being a witness is. Tell them the truth. 
You can't change anybody. But if you get your heart fixed upon Jesus, he'll change you, and then he'll, through you, be a witness. But if you do it your way, it's called earthly, sensual, demonic love. If you do it your way, it's called some other plan. But God only has one plan of salvation, and it's you and him married together, and you listening and obeying and following so that others will see his witnesses and come to salvation, or at least be um, in their conscience, their conscience pricked with truth so that they know of sin and righteousness and judgment. I better keep going. There's no way you can finish all of these verses if you don't move, dude. I'm teasing. 17. Then some of his disciples, we get the narrative of what's going on, uh, said among themselves. Now listen, here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem, because this is what happens. A lot of people have fellowship. They go, we're having fellowship. And you know what? They leave the Holy Spirit out. Listen, they're talking among themselves. Listen, you do not want to leave Jesus or the Holy Spirit out, or you'll come up with nonsense. You can't get answers without inviting God to come into the crowd, to become part of your marriage, to become part of your life. You've seen it with the Pharisees. What did they do? Crucify him! Because they had counsel among themselves and they left God's truth out. Now these guys are trying to understand what a little while means and they're talking among themselves. But God loves them so much because he's been with them and he says, hey, hey, you're inquiring about it, ain't you? Come here. I'm going to finish the work I started in you until the day of Christ Jesus because I know you really want to know, but you're afraid to ask me. Listen, he already knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's not mad at you because you thought that, did that, was going to do that. He was not mad at you because you were planning that. He already died for all of that. What he wants you to do is come to him and reason with him. And though your sins were as scarlet, they can be white as snow. He wants to transform you into his image so you can walk in the newness of life. He's not mad. He already knows. You're like, I'm going to hide this from him. Really? He's God all over. He knew what you was going to think before you got into that week. You were still in your mother's womb and he knew everything you were ever going to do. Listen, I'm preaching to myself too, so don't think I'm just barking at you. Some people sometimes are like, I can't even listen to him. He's just yelling at me. No, I'm yelling at me. I got to learn it first. I just get a little excited when I share it. So they, uh, the disciples, they're among themselves. What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. I don't know. Why are you asking me for? Ask him. He's the one said it. That's the same thing you should be doing with all the word of God. And he sent the Holy Spirit of truth to tell you all the word of God. And he'll let you know plainly what he said. And, but what do we do? We go look at the talking heads. And if you don't say what the talking heads and the commentaries and all the other preachers are saying, then you're odd man out. And you, you're just not right. You have to say what we say. I'm listening for what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, not what sinners are saying to the church. Because I don't have a relationship with them. So if you're not hanging out with me every day and I don't get to watch your walk and see your fruit and I don't get to experience what you're doing, then I'm not going to be listening too much to you. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, I might follow you while you follow Jesus till I see that you're not even following Jesus and if you're truly saved, you know that that's true. Because I got saved and I was thinking, everybody, oh, I love all you guys. Ah! And I was a big baby for three years. 
But then I started growing up and I stopped drinking milk and I moved to the meat of the word and I realized that most of them didn't even know Jesus. And as soon as they walked away from the church, they went out and did whatever they wanted in their own little selfish lives and they didn't care about anybody else. And I am not picking on God's bride because you never want to lay your hands on God's bride. But let those who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He knows the names of those who are his. They're in the book. And he marked out all the rest of them. Because remember, God has this book. And it was his will that everybody would come to salvation, come to repentance. So he put everybody's name in there. Everybody's name was in there. My opinion, my belief. And then when they say no, he starts scratching off their invitation. They're not coming. They were checking out some land. They're not coming. They had some new cows they wanted to see if they could plow good. They're not coming. They were chasing money. They're not coming. They had their own little selfish thing going on. And he starts scratching off names. They're not coming. They're listening to everybody except for the Spirit of God. They're not coming. They're playing religion. I'm just telling you. So he doesn't blot your name out if you wake up and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church because you have ears because ears faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and he's not talking about physical he's talking about spiritual ears where you realize that you need to repent and die to self and listen to what he says and you're always wrong when the two opinions differ isn't it amazing that there was one time this is just a peculiar thing that the devil and God were both doing the same thing. They both were going to kill Jesus, but for different reasons. One thought he was going to win the entire kingdom if he killed Jesus, and the other one knew that he was going to save the world. One was deceived and thought he was doing the same thing everybody else was doing. And see, it's so, it's so peculiar because a Christian can do the same thing. You can both be going to the same place, reading the same book, and doing it for the wrong motives, and you can have sorrow that fills your heart instead of joy and believing and let the joy of the Lord be your strength because you're walking in the Spirit and you're doing what He wants to do. So you can be totally thinking you're okay when you're really deceived instead of lifting Him up, you're planting Him deeper and deeper by listening to the wrong voices. And you do what the Pharisees and Sadducees did, and you make them twice the sons of hell than they ever were after you get them to follow you. That's, what, that's what's going on in the church today everywhere. If you're not listening to Jesus and the spirit of truth, I can't get through all of this. Who said he could read all this and get through it? So they're reasoning among themselves. Be careful reasoning without the spirit of God and the truth of God in the room, or you'll come up with nonsense. Or you'll read somebody's commentary and just repeat it. And then people will think you're real wise. 18. They said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. Man, it's a small period. We do not know what he is saying. Eight, or 19. Now Jesus. Isn't that good? That's a good statement. Now Jesus. He's still in the room. Now Jesus knew, isn't that good that Jesus knows? 
Don't you love it that Jesus knows? That's the word gnoskos. Now, Jesus knew that they desired, there were desirous King James to ask. They wanted to beseech him, request from him. They wished they could ask. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves? Look, he's questioning their among themselves about what I said a little while. Isn't it interesting? Now listen, I'm reading I know I'm reading it. But he keeps, they keep repeating this. Listen, on the scale of eternity, this is all a little while. You don't have time. You need to be redeeming the time. We don't have time to be playing games with the Holy Spirit of promise. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. That's why a little while keeps being mentioned. He's not going to tarry. He's coming soon. You will not see me again in a little while, and you will see me. Most assuredly, verse 20, Verily, verily, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Isn't that amazing? See, the world, it's really the world's systems. It's those who are not called out, those who are not wanting to follow Jesus. They're going to rejoice. They're going to celebrate at the cross. The world systems that are diametrically opposed, the ones that are listening to the, to the world system that's turning to sway the wicked one, they rejoice that this guy who is causing so much division is going to die. The, those that believe in him as the Messiah and the teacher, they're going to weep and lament. But guess what? They're not going to stay there. Neither one of them. He's going to raise again. And that brings them great joy when they see that he's alive because now they've been following truth. The resurrection happens three days later. But the world, they don't believe in resurrection. So they're having joy in their own little selves and swift judgment is going to come upon them. And God doesn't want that to happen. He wants them to hear the good news that Jesus got up out of the grave. But all the forces of hell are trying to keep us from telling them. All the forces of hell are trying to keep them from hearing because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what do we do? We silence everybody from talking about the truth and we just talk about lies. This is the new truth. This is the new. This is the new. No, that's not true. You can't say that. This is the new. And it's been turned up over the last few years to where it's deafening. And many Christians have been deceived even in the turning up of the volume. And now they don't want to do nothing but fight. But Jesus said, if, if my kingdom was of this world, my father would send legions of angels. My kingdom's not of this world. So don't let the attack and the and the little while of the lie 
cause you to get off target and stop looking to be a witness for Jesus so that souls can be saved. Don't be discouraged. Don't get your eyes on yourself. Well, I'm not wearing a mask again. That's ridiculous. I, I don't want to wear a mask either. But you know what? There's a greater calling, and that is to be a witness for Christ. What if Jesus would have said, well, I'm not going to be crucified, Father. That's ridiculous. I have all the power of heaven and earth coursing through me, and you want me to go down there and die like a common heathen? Like somebody who's unrighteous? That was the very thing he did. And I'm not telling you to take COVID shots in your face. There's a time when you have to have civil disobedience. But I don't want to have civil disobedience because of the uncomfortableness of my flesh. I don't want to be out in the street fighting because I am uncomfortable with what you're saying because I have a constitutional right. Because I don't see it happening anywhere in the Bible. I see all of God's people delivered to prison. I see them all delivered to death. I see that we are supposed to be delivered to death to be a witness to the life that is in Christ. That we know the end. We're not afraid of death. It's been defeated. And when they bring you before these rulers, you're supposed to give testimony. And it shouldn't be fighting over some little stupid rule or regulation that they've made up. It should be testimony of lifting up the Savior of the world who's no longer in the grave and he's coming back to judge the quick and the dead really soon. Now, I know there's Christians that have a different opinion than mine, but they have to do whatever they do by faith or it's sin. And I'm going to do what I do by faith. That's why it's a personal relationship. That's why it's not somebody else you're following. That's why you have to hear what the Holy Spirit says to the church or you could be listening to a liar who's leading you into deception so that you don't even know Jesus. I'm going to listen to what the Spirit of God tells me to do. I'm not, I'm not in a crowd. We're in a family together, and we're all supposed to be obeying the Father. And He sent us to save lost souls and to enter into the ministry of reconciliation. Be reconciled to God not fight the whole world that's earthly sinful and demonic so Jesus knows their hearts and the world rejoices over the destruction of God's kingdom but we already know he's victorious he got up on the third day see they don't know this stuff right now see we know it down the corridors of time 2,000 years later they don't know any of this stuff now but they have joy when they realize he's alive. And he spends 40 days with them. But they're still in awe. And as he ascends into heaven, they're looking, going, and they, and, and they, hey, 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 redeem the time. What are you doing? Standing and looking up. The same Jesus is going to come again in like manner. Get busy. Go wait for him. That's our scripture this week, guys. Go wait in the upper room. Until that spirit that was promised comes. Because then you're going to be busy. Not under Satan's joke, you're going to be busy testifying, speaking out loud, going and making disciples. That's the only thing the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
And then he gives this figurative language to you. A proverb, it's called. 21, a woman, when she is in labor, women know about this, um, and most take an epidural today. A woman, when she is in labor, they didn't have them then, has sorrow. There's a lot. Uh-oh, baby's coming. I've been through this before. Uh, because her hour has come. And that's what he's saying. Remember all the way through the text, he said, my hour's not yet come. My hour's not yet come. But he knows within an hour, he's going to be arrested in the garden. He's going to pray, go over the brook, and go up into the garden of Gethsemane where Judas meets them with a detachment of troops. And he says, I am he, and they all fall down. Whom do you seek? I am he. They all fall down. He's in total control. It's not by mistake. It's by design. It's a plan of reconciliation. So a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. She's like looking at this child going, wow, his head's crooked. And what's going on? Oh, I'm sorry. I need to be careful. Uh, Some mothers can get mad at me. She no longer remembers the pain. It was all worth the pain to get this child into the world for joy. See, that's what happened with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, once again. He despised the shame, but he counted it all joy and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. And we're supposed to be following him, the author and the finisher of our faith. But we're supposed to be laying aside every weight and every sin that hinders us. As we follow him. Not I said a prayer and I get to do whatever I want because he's already forgiven me. No, he's sanctifying and washing and cleansing me and using me as his hands and feet to reconcile the world to him because I'm a witness. I'm the bride who's, who's making my husband the head. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but notice the, notice the text. Notice the text. He doesn't say, but you will see me. Notice the text. You guys there with me? 22. Therefore, everything that he said before, it's all therefore. You now have sorrow. They got their eyes on themselves, right? But notice what he says. I will see you again. See, because everybody says they believe in Jesus. Wait a minute. Does he see you? Are you looking for him? Are you looking for a relationship? I know Jesus. Does he know you? Notice how it changed. It went from they will see, you will see me. Now it's I will see you. See, he sees everything. He knows everything. And your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take up from you. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. The acrostic is Jesus, others, and yourself. If you want to have sorrow, keep your eyes on yourself. Keep saying, what about me? What about me? How do I get this? I need to do this. I got all this strength. I got to do this. I got to do that. How about surrender to Jesus and go, thank you, Lord, for providing. How about be thankful for salvation? How about be thankful and believe that he'll provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? How about put Jesus first, lift him up first, then others, then yourself, your joy will remain, I guarantee you. Because you'll be walking in the Spirit, doing what you're called to do. But have a relationship with the Spirit of promise. That's what God's doing in the church today. It shifted at the cross. Forty days later, He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. He came. 
We see the manifestation of the script in the scriptures, Acts chapter 2, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Twenty-three, And in that day, when I see you again, in that day you ask nothing, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking you will receive that your joy may be full. Notice he's shifting too. They've been coming, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. Hey, Jesus, tell us this. Hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. And he's saying, no, we're going to shift from that. You need to be saying, my Father who art in heaven. You need to be praying to the Father, not to me. You pray in my name because of my character, my nature, my will. You pray in my authority because it's all going to be given to me. In fact, over in 17.4, I think he prays, restore me to the glory. Where is it? 17.4 or 5? 17.5, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Well, what glory is that? All authority on heaven and earth. The same thing that Matthew tells us, he, uh, he, that he's risen and he has all authority. Go, therefore, put him back into the same throne room that he was always in before he came. Listen, so we have to ask the Father and do it because we're living for Jesus. I know people pray to Jesus all the time, but you don't pray to Jesus, you pray to the Father in Jesus' name because you're living for Jesus. You don't have to say, in Jesus' name! There's power in His name, but if you're living for Jesus and you're being led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God leads you to pray, and Paul says, pray in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You're praying according to what the Spirit's already doing because He's already taken everything about Jesus and He's using it. And you're supposed to be praying in that direction. And every time you ask what God's already doing, it's only now a matter of time because He's doing it anyway. And you're going to ask and you're going to receive what you desire. Sanctify my life. Well, you're going to get that. Here comes the fire. It's coming anyway. So why not be in the middle of his perfect will and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and how to get through it? It's coming anyway. Learn your identity. Learn the plan of God. Read the word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you plainly. He wants to. Jesus prayed the Father and he sent him for us. What? what, 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 what? He says, I'll be with, he'll be with you. Spirit's with us right now. But is he in you? I'll be with you, then I will be in you. And then Acts 1.8, I will come upon you so you can be a witness, so you can serve, so you can lay your life down, so people will see your light shining and they will know it's not because of you, it's because of Jesus. I forget how many times I Googled this. You can Google this. Look what he says again here. These things I have spoken to you. It's personal. He said it in 16.1. He said it like seven times, I think. These things I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you. Are you listening? Do you have ear to hear what the Spirit would say to the church? Well, wait a minute. That's Jesus. No, that's the Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth that was sent back. 
And he's speaking to us. And he says in a figurative language, a proverb is what it says in the King James. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in a proverb, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. Why? Because that's who we're being delivered back to, the Father's house. He's going to turn everything over to the Father one day. We are married back into the family of God to be delivered to the Father by the kinsman redeemer. When we believe and follow, he's leading us out of this world. He's the door out. He's the way in. He said that in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, people are still chasing death, but death has been defeated. He's life, and that more abundantly. These things I've spoken to you in a figurative language. I will, there's a time when I'll no longer speak to you in a proverb, but I will tell you plainly. What's the word plainly? It's the word for boldness there in the same text with uh, Ephesians 6.20 when Paul says, and pray for me that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. It means all outspokenness. It means frankness. Um, it means bluntness and freely unreserved speech not guided by political correctness but led by the spirit of God who knows exactly what the heart of the person you're talking to needs 26 in that day it's going to be a good day you will ask in my name listen to this verse this is a very important verse you might you might write it in the front of your bible in that day, you will ask in my name, according to my name, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. It's according to his character, his nature, his will, and his authority, right? And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Did you see that? For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. Believed is the word in trust, to commit to entrust your spiritual well-being into something. It's the word pistio. But notice what he's saying. You're not to pray to me, and I'm not going to pray to the Father. See, the Catholic Church says pray to Mary, and Mary asks ask the Son. Well, the Son says, I'm not even going to, don't pray to me. The Son says, pray straight to the Father. The veil has been rent. You can now come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy to find grace and help in time of need. You don't need anybody else to access the Father. Now, if you know Jesus and you're living for Him, you are the bride of Christ. You can come right into the Father's house, boldly to the throne, and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You don't need to ask somebody else, not even Jesus, to come there. But you have to be living for him. You have to be in Christ. And the spirit is going to be in you. So you're coming there not with nonsense. I need a Mercedes. I need some more money. You're coming for souls. Because that's all God is here for. Is the ministry of reconciliation of souls. Does he do other things? Yes. He gives you your greeds even. But he wants to provide for your needs. He's a good father. But listen to me. You don't need to ask Mary. You don't need to ask Jesus. You're coming because you're married to him and you can come right in to the throne room boldly with all outspokenness. Same word. For what? To obtain mercy. Not by works of righteousness. 
But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, Titus 3, 5. And grace, you're saved by faith. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The works are finished in Christ. Everything's finished in Christ. Now you're married to him. The two become one. Now you can come into the throne room and say, Father. But your heart is supposed to be getting in line with what the Father's doing. He sent his son to redeem the world, to pay the payment, to be the propitiation, to die for the sins of the world. And then his son followed pattern and sent the Holy Spirit back to fill you so you would know what the plan was and be renewed in your mind. And as your mind is renewed, it changes your mind, will, and emotions, and your desires change as you obey. You have to walk in it and learn to obey, and that's not the pattern over there in the darkness. It's over here in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Jesus washes us, and we get prepared for the wedding supper of the Lamb, which is going to be where we're at. It's, it's interesting. We were talking about this, me and Michael, I think. I, I heard somebody say it. That it's a veil that's rent, right? What happens in a wedding? There's a veil. See, and the devil's got a veil over people's eyes where they can't see nothing. And the veil is removed in Christ. When you marry him, what does he do? He takes the veil off and he kisses you and consummates the wedding. That's what a, the weddings used to always have veils on their face. What do we do? We go, oh, I can't be in the presence of God. And they put the veil back on. I don't want to hear that. Y'all listen to Greg, but I'm not going to listen to God. And you put your veil back on like, wait a minute, this isn't right. No, you can come boldly on your own because of Jesus. Without Jesus, you can't get in. Don't let the devil veil your eyes with all these lying things that are going on all around you. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and speak to you plainly and so that you can ask what you need. I mean, over in Romans 8, he says the Holy Spirit knows the heart of God, so he knows how to pray for you with groanings that are unutterable. You, can't even, you don't even know what he's doing, but he's praying for you. That's because Jesus, who is the Spirit of truth, is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven making intercession for you and me right now. He's praying that we will get this, that we will have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church, and we will go out and live a life that proves it. And be renewed and walk in the newness of life. I'm going to pop. 28. Jesus, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. He just said the same thing again, but look how amazing it is. Look how amazing it is. That's actually a really great verse. We might have to memorize that sometime. Think about it. He knows what's going on perfectly. He knows he came from the Father, and he knows now he's leaving to the Father. And he's speaking to them, saying, you're not going to see me, and then you're going to see me. And then what are they going to say? Watch what they say. His disciples said to him, see, now you're speaking plainly. See, they understood this, but only because God gave them spiritual discernment at the moment. And using no proverb, no figure of speech, now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came forth from God. And see, that's what we always want to believe. Listen to me. You, tell, you, you always want to believe this. 
Old Testament saints believed it. New Testament saints had to believe it. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Well, what did he believe? That God was going to send the Messiah, Old Testament. Now we know that he sent him. We look back and we believe that he's from God. He was the promise. He was the provision for the sin nature. He was the provision for our unrighteousness. That's what happened in the wilderness, remember? And if I be lifted up, I will draw them into myself. Just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, what was the serpent? It was the provision when Moses prayed and they were being bit by snakes. And he said, do this, make a, a bronze snake, judgment. Lift it up and tell them if they look to it, they won't die. I ain't looking at bronze snake. Moses made that. That's ridiculous. Well, you're going to die then. God's provision was that spoken language. Same thing with Christ. God's provision. He came from God. That's what they're saying. We're understanding this plainly. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you understand any of this is if you ask the Holy Spirit to help you figure out. Maybe we'll go through the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs and the Enigmas. Verse 30, now we are sure, I read that, didn't I? Verse 31, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Think about that. Jesus is speaking to guys that he's been with for three years, and he's trying to convince them that he's the Messiah. Get them to understand that. See, it gives us hope because we can be with God for a while. You know, the, the one who gives up, and doesn't understand that he's going to be gone for a little while, but he's here in the spirit. The one that says, oh, I tried Jesus, but it didn't work for me. Notice what, the, that's a pretty interesting question. Would Jesus ask you that? Do you now believe? Do you now trust me? And then he says in 32, indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come his hour that you will be scattered. It's going to happen maybe within the hour. Literally, it happens in 18.4. Yeah, 18.3 and 4. After he prays, all he's going to do is pray. Here in our next week's lesson, God willing, chapter 17 is a prayer. He prays for himself. He prays for the disciples. Then he prays for you and me. And then 18, they go out through the garden, or go out through the lower Jerusalem, cross the brook Kedron, into the garden of Gethsemane, there's Judas, 18.3. Betrayed with a kiss. Where am I at? The hour is coming, and now is. You will be scattered, each to his own. You know what that is? Each to his own? You, know, you ever had anybody say that to you? Well, Jesus is the Messiah, and He can save you. And if you just confess, you're saying, oh, each to his own. Everybody's got their own truth. Each to their own. What's your truth? Each to his own means pertaining to self, private or separate. They're going to be scattered and separated. No longer 11 of them right there together in a room talking about these things and, 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 and rehearsing them. But they're going to be scattered and flee and run because they're going to be scared. Each to his own. And will leave me alone. Alone is not a good thing. You know that? Alone is not a good thing. 
I remember coming home, I'm going to start crying, but I remember coming home from the hospital after my wife went to be with Jesus. Head spinning and laid down, and I said, wow, I'm alone. And God said, no, you're not, I'm right here. Because he is. He leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not stopping there. Jesus died so we don't have to stop in death. We don't have to hang out in death. We don't have to live in the graveyard. Nothing but dead stuff in the graveyard. Oh, I know. We put gravestones there and we go down and visit them and stuff. But this is all about spiritual truth. The spirit of a person leaves their body. They're not in the graveyard. That's bones. Those graves will open one day in the resurrection of life but only as a witness and as a testimony that God's word is true. And people will go, wow, these graves busted open. Yeah, yeah, because of Jesus. And Jesus says this, I'm not alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Do you know that the Spirit is with you right now? That the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that God is with you? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. He's always with us. And he's with us with the Holy Spirit because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can trust him. 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me, are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? The Holy Spirit in you? Are you being led by him? Are you following him? Are you quenching, grieving, insulting him? Are you asking him what to do? How do I live this life? How do I get through this? Or are you just hanging on, pretending, make it up as we go? In me, look, look, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Notice he's first. He didn't say in the world you're going to have tribulation, but in me you can have peace. He said, I'm speaking this to you so that you know that peace comes first if you will choose me. He is the peace of God. And when you believe in him, you have the peace with God. We're born enemies of God with death upon us. He gives us peace. And then when you begin to let the Holy Spirit lead your life and you trust him and you enter in, you know what happens? He gives you the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not absence of turmoil. It's not absence of, uh, of Hamas bombing. It's not absence of bombs flying or, or liars lying or the spirit of Antichrist deceiving, but it's peace that we know where we're going to end up in the end. He's the anchor to our soul. Irene is the word. Peace. Philippians, Paul says, be anxious, worry about nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Let me tell you about that peace. Oh, never mind. It surpasses all understanding. I can't explain it. In the midst of it, though, we know he's there because he's living and he's in us. And then he says, in the world you will have tribulation, troubles, trials, persecution, anguish, pressure pressing in on you. Uh, but be of good cheer, be of joy, have courage, take comfort. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. It's a word that comes from Nike, victory, Nikon. 
to subdue, to conquer, to prevail, to get the victory over the world. And he's not talking, you know, this world is cosmos, and it speaks of all the adorning world and the decoration that God put here and its inhabitants, but he's talking about the world system that's ran by the Antichrist that's trying to deceive you into following them and, and get involved in their death and their debt and their life that leads nothing but the pit instead of being set free to follow Jesus. Instead of being set free, this systems, when all you have to do is be led by His Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to do really quickly, I want you to turn to three different places with me. And I want to explain to you, you know, the first place, let's go is the, uh, 2 Peter 2.18. I want you to understand the spirit of what is going on I'd probably do these in the wrong order, but take them all and you can read them later to yourself and figure it out. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, uh, but Peter warns us about false teachers. 2.18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh and through the lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Okay? Jesus came to bring us out so that we can escape the punishment that's coming on the rest of the world. While they promise them freedom, they themselves are slaves of corruption and death. I'm adding words. It's okay. I'm paraphrasing. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. And that word overcome means to make worse, to be vanquished by somebody. To be brought lower by somebody. Listen to me. That's not the word that Jesus wants to use. We're going to go there. It's not the word we just said. I have overcome the world. This is those that lie to you. False teachers that are overcoming you. And you're following them. Instead of being led by the spirit of God. And the spirit of Antichrist has been sent out to deceive the elect. If it were possible. And many who escaped. They've had their freedom stolen and they've been overcome and they're back in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the, how do you escape the pollution of the world? Somebody tell me. Through the knowledge, the epigenoskos of the Lord, upon recognizing that there's salvation in no other name, that's epigenoskos, and a Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled, embraided, wrapped up in, go back to the world and them entangled in them and overcome in other words completely completely defeated to make worse to be vanquished by the entanglements of the world the latter end is worse for them than the beginning well you can't you can't you can't you can't epigenoskos and then you can't you can't well peter says you can you can be entangled and the latter end is going to be worse than in the beginning you become twice the sons of hell. The same thing Jesus accused the Pharisees of. You travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and then you make them twice the sons of hell by teaching them some religious thing that has nothing to do with a relationship with the God of the universe who came and died for you so you can walk with him freely and not be afraid that you're naked because he's clothing you with his new habitation. Uh Eternal in the heavenlies, it's not made with hands. 21, for it would be better, 
would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed in her own wallering of the mire. Look at Revelation 3. We're going to begin in 14 with this church age, the the Laodicean church age, which could have happened all the way out through the church ages. Um, I told you last week that in chapters 2 and 3, seven times the number of completion, it says, let him who has the ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. But look at this. Uh, And the angel of the church, or the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen... It's a name for Jesus. Amen. You know why? It means so be it. And if he said it, so be it. It's going to happen. If he said it, it's true. You can say amen to it. That's why we say amen at the end of a prayer. Because we're praying to Jesus, in, or we're praying to the Father in Jesus' name. And we want it to be so. But he corrects us and makes us pray differently sometimes. The faithful and the true witness. He's the faithful and the true. He's the true vine of Israel. The beginning of the creation of God. Oh, what's that mean? You mean God created him? No. He's the originator. Everything was made through him because he is God, very God. That's exactly what that means with beginning. Didn't I write it down somewhere? I thought I wrote it down somewhere. I'm sure I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, he is the originator and creator of God's creation, of everything. Hebrews 1.1. Everything was made by him. He's the spirit of truth, right? Who hovered over the face of the deep? Who is the one doing the creation? He's not a created being. He is the the one who created all things. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth vomit new king james because you say i am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked listen to me this is self-deception this is people that say i'm okay Uh, because you say what does god say i know jesus what does, does he know you what is he saying you have to hear what the spirit says to the church not what the church is saying to the church, not what the commentators or the false prophets are saying to the church. Because we'll think, I'm rich, I'm good, I have become wealthy, I don't even need the Holy Spirit. I have a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. I can do whatever I want because I have everything made. All I gotta do is go out and swipe a card, buy it, do it, and I become dependent upon self and deceive myself. And he says that people who say that, people that don't realize who they are and that they're their own worst enemy and don't look in the mirror and go, no, no, no. That's where we started at. You don't realize that self-deception is the worst enemy you have right now, listening to the wrong voice. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Even Adam and Eve knew they were naked. They hid themselves. But the church doesn't know they're naked. They think they're okay. And they crucify the Lord of glory again. Just like the Pharisees and Sadducees did. 
And the false teachers stirred up those who didn't know who they were and weren't listening to God to do the same thing and yell, Barabbas, give us the son of the father who's a murderer. That's what Israel's getting ready to choose again for peace. Because they don't know Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. What does God say? Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me. Come to me. Get it from me. Gold refined in the fire. Gold is always deity. That you may be rich with white garments. Because your garments are defiled. That you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke. What's the Holy Spirit come for? To reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And chasten, therefore, oh, why is it all therefore? Be zealous and repent. Notice that comes before the door. Repentance, metanoia, change your mind. You are not okay. You are not rich and wealthy and have everything you need. You need to hear what the Spirit would say to the church, not what somebody else would say. So he says, repent, be zealous, do it quickly. Today's the day for salvation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, phone and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to set with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down on my father's throne with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, there's liars out there lying to you. And you're the worst deceiver of them all because you believe what they say instead of surrendering and getting into word, prayer, and fellowship and saying, Lord, what are you saying to the church? I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to be caught in a physical battle. I want to know my gifts, talents, and abilities. I want to be the bride. I want to be adorned. I want to be further clothed. I want to be there in that number. And I know that you've already won the victory for me. Help me not to deceive myself and cast it away. And let them overcome me because I won't listen to your voice. The last text, 1 John 2, and we'll close. 1 John 2, listen, listen, because people will say, well, you need help. You got, somebody's got to explain that to you and teach you that. And listen, you, don't, you have an anointing. You don't need anybody to teach you. Listen to me. 1 John 2, let's begin in 18, little children, little born-again ones. Now, see, if you'd have read before that, he tells you that uh, do not love the world, uh, uh, anything is in the, do not love the world, uh, for the things of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Are you kidding me? If I'm serving the things of the world and listening to the voices of the world, you're telling me that the litmus test is that the love of the Father is not in me? Well, who's the love of the Father? Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? He's the Holy Spirit. And if you have not the Spirit, you're not God's. This is serious stuff, guys. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not stumbling in the dark and going, I think I'm okay. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the desires of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. It's all under the sway of wickedness. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And you can't do the will of God unless you have the Spirit of God to lead you. And then you have to learn to obey and be transformed and walk in the newness of life. Little born again ones, it is the last hour. It's a definite fixed time. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Listen. It's not, it's not the sign of the times. It's the time of the signs. There's so much going on in the world. Israel's being bombed right now. And the news is announcing Israel is at war. That's pretty significant. You watch Israel and you'll know what, where things are going. It's the last hour. Then he says in 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Notice it's a body, it's us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Listen, if you're entangled in the world and you're chasing everything, it could mean that you're not of us. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm reading the scriptures out loud. But you have an anointing. Here's the but. This is what he wants you to know, the contrast. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. What? Are you serious? The Holy Spirit's in you. God who created and spoke in the darkness and said, let there be light, lives in your heart if you're saved, if you're a believer. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. No, that's from the father of lies. 99% obedience is disobedience. That's why we need Jesus' 100% righteousness to be right positionally. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. These three are one. Therefore, let, therefore, this is verse 24, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's where your salvation began. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has been taught you, you will abide in him. Listen, the Spirit of God teaches. He gives men gifts. It's not, so you have to hear what the Spirit says to the church. You don't want to hear what man says to the church. When you come for the equipping of the saints, you want to be praying for me. That was weird. You want to be praying for me 
and praying that God is speaking to you and you're hearing what the Word of God says. But if you don't know the Word of God, you don't have any idea. And then it just becomes, well, I, I'm just going to think that was really good. I like that. I'm going to follow that. Well, it fits your flesh then. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to listen to the Word of God if we're being purified and the fire's being turned up and He's changing us and He's burning out the dross and He's further clothing us. There's always things that He's speaking to us about. We're perfect in the Beloved. Positionally, we're fine, but practically we're learning to abide, learning to do the will of God, learning to be a witness, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, learning to be in fellowship with God's people and with God, learning to be the bride of Christ. Why? Well, he finishes here, and now little born again ones abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If we know that he is righteous, is he righteous? Is he our righteousness? That's what the Holy Spirit convicts, the world of righteousness. You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And that's to do righteousness. That's to obey righteousness. That's to follow righteousness. That's to be involved in righteousness and the ministry of reconciliation of souls only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything else, you're deceiving yourself. If you're not asking God what's going on, you're not having an active relationship with the Word of God, prayer and fellowship by the power of the Holy Spirit who's, who's convicting you, reproving you, reminding you. Anything else, you're walking in the Spirit and you're grieving, insulting, lying to the Holy Spirit. When you, or excuse me, you're walking in the flesh and you're grieving, lying, and insulting the Holy Spirit of promise. He came to adorn you, to prepare you, to present you, a chaste virgin at the wedding supper of the Lamb. So He wants to wash and cleanse you with the washing of the water through the Word. And we continue to be entangled in the lies of this world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one with earthly, sinful, demonic wisdom that does nothing but puts us back under the bondage of people, back under the bondage of law, back under the bondage of religion. It doesn't set you free. Remember Jesus in chapter 8, he came to them and they said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. They were under Roman rule at that moment and couldn't even kill him. They wanted to kill him and they couldn't do it because Rome had taken their ability for the death sentence away. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Wake up. Self-deception will kill you. God counsels us to come to him and he wants, he's knocking. He wants to sit down and have fellowship with us. And, he, and, and, and them days, he only did it with their closest friends. Because you ate with one hand, you wiped your butt with the other one. I'm not going to make no apologies for it. It's what it was. It was the truth. They didn't have silverware. We need to get real with the gospel. Get real with what the Spirit of God is doing. And let him who has ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the true church, the ecclesia. We're in the last days. Moments. Milliseconds. If we can see into the heavenly realm, Jesus is doing this. He's getting up. My opinion, he's coming soon and very soon for his bride. He's going to snatch us out. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've spoken these things through your son Jesus so that we would not be made to stumble by listening to liars. We want to hear what your spirit says to the church. Help us to stop pursuing our own pursuits and living according to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. 
Teach us to be witnesses and to die to self and take up our cross daily and follow you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?